I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Haltech Hall. How are you, Mr. Haltech? Good morning, Aaron. I uh, wish I was feeling great. Unfortunately, we have to talk about yet another disaster out in Los Angeles. Uh, but we are uh, absolutely thrilled to have once again the incomparable Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridirons going to join us right away. Good morning, Lester. What's happening, guys? How you guys doing? We're hanging in there. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing we're doing better than the bears are. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not hard these days. Uh, not hard. Not hard to do it at all. Lester, let's let's kind of get right to it because I know that uh, we've only got you for a limited time this morning as you have sure. to get get on to some uh, some other obligations. Uh, quick thoughts on on the game. Uh, the Bears obviously started off great with a couple of turnovers. Uh, they were inside the Rams' 35-yard line three state straight times in the in the first quarter, walked away with no points. Uh, the Bears' defense played extremely well, especially throughout the second half, until they, uh, they, they I think they just kind of lost uh, they lost a little bit of edge on on the Rams' last drive there after. The uh, three and out that uh, was Mitch Trubisky's last drive of the game. So, uh, quick thoughts about the game, and then we'll get into the uh, supposed hip injury that Trubisky supposedly sustained in the second <laughs> half. Yeah, I mean the game went like most of the games have gone this year. You know, the defense played you know pretty good football. You know, there were some moments there. They had a, a, a couple nice turnovers and. You know, the offense, um, the, the, like you said, it looked better than it had, you know, in previous weeks. But but I kind of think that, that that's kind of a low bar for us because, I mean, the offense still, you know, yeah, moved the ball a little bit and missed a couple field goals. There were some missed opportunities. But I think as Bears fans, we're used to this offense being so bad that just the smallest sign of life kind of gets us excited that, hey, the, the Bears offense is, is doing something. But when you look at the overall scheme of things, the overall picture, you know, the offense still wasn't that good. You know, they still, you know, left a bunch of plays in the field. They had the missed opportunities. And ultimately, even if they do make those those field goals, it's still not enough points for, for a Bears victory. So this game kind of went like the whole year went. A, a stumbling offense, a, a pretty good defense, and in the end, uh, a loss. Well, I think the, um, the other thing that about this game that went similar to other games is, is you've got a head coach who looks lost, like, about a number of things. And I think that that's, that's the, my biggest issue with this game is that from, 
from Jump Street, when we start out the game with Tariq Cohen as the single back, I'm like ready to pull my hair out. Like mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't understand how we keep going back to this. And 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 Tariq had a good game. I mean, yeah. they obviously they obviously had a game plan that heavily was involving Tariq. They they liked that matchup, and and he had a pretty good game. And honestly, if if Mitch could ever hit him in the flat where he could turn up field and make and not have to make a one-handed catch as he's, you know, going towards the sideline, he might have had a better game. But I still don't understand some of the play calls. And then, you know, later on, the whole handling of Mitch's injury from the time that it ha- supposedly happened to the end to pulling him to going for it on fourth and nine and not kicking a field goal or punting it. I mean, I just, Nagy just seems like he is flailing. And and I don't know what, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, we were talking before the show started and it's like, I don't know if, if Mitch broke Nagy or Nagy broke Mitch, but they both just seem lost and very little like what they were last year and what they showed last year. And then, to make things worse, all of a sudden, you know, the only things you could count on, which was that for the most part, the receivers we have catch the ball, that left, you know, and and you've got Anthony Miller, you know, uh, throwing up gang signs after a drop. And, you know, it just it's just like every game has been this sort of, you know, uh, disaster in these little moments and 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 it's like you know we get one thing going and then the kicker leaves and we we you know the defense plays great but we can't score like it's just yin yang craziness yeah it seems like a, a year ago everything that, that could go right uh, did go right right uh, this year's just just the opposite for that offense and you know that's you know what you talk about you know, uh, the head coach or the quarterback you know that's been a discussion of, of of the bears you know this whole season is it is it is it the chicken or the egg i mean no one knows what it is you know the way i look at it is 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 there some problems for Matt Nagy? Yes, I think he's still too stubborn. I think he's a young head coach. You know, he saw some of these issues last year, but since the Bears, you know, obviously were doing much better, the offense was working. You know, his quarterback was 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 uh, uh, executing his play calls a little better than he was. You know, this year, it's not overblown. But now, with with things aren't being executed, you know, his his quarterback's not making the right reads. You mentioned the drops from receivers. I think they still lead the league in drops. Yep. You know, things aren't working. So some of the stuff that Nagy wants to do, I'm not sure he, if, he, if he even can do them. I mean, I know there's a bunch of, 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 of pictures uh, on, on social media showing his his play sheet from this year to last year. Right. Uh, they're showing they're showing his play sheet compared to a guy like like Sean Payton. Now, obviously, the, the, the Saints offense, you know, which is Drew Brees, you know, they've been in that system for years, so his play play sheet should look a lot bigger. But you know, the play sheet that Matt Nagy's working on this year is limited. I mean, he had to scale back a lot of stuff. Now, did he break Trubisky or did Trubisky break Nag? I think that's a good question. But but ultimately, if Trubisky makes some of these reads, if he makes some of these plays that he that he made a year ago, mm-hmm. I don't think we're having as much of a discussion about the, the play calling as, as we are now. I think right. it's it's uh, it's it's an overall just a bad product on the field. But I don't think we're gonna see the the the, the true Matt Nagy until he gets you know what he wants out of his his players and his quarterback. But again, going back to that, I think he is been still too stubborn. You know, his his reluctance to do the I formation, which is something that the Bears have had some success in. You know, yes, it's not your offense, it's not your vision for your offense, 
But you know what? Your vision of your offense can't work. You know, it doesn't work right now with Trubisky and with the receivers you have. You got to do something different. And he's not willing to do that. I'm not sure how many how many they ran from the eye against the Rams, but it wasn't as much as the weeks past. And even in the weeks past, it wasn't a lot. I, I don't know if they ran it once. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't think so. And all he should look across the field at Sean McVay, you know, who it's like I don't think Sean McVay wants to run like heavy jumbo double tight end, yeah. you know, uh, like slog it out 1987 football. But if that's what works, that's what he did. Exactly. And and they did it enough to get some play action and hit hit the Bears for some big plays. And and they, their offense has been trash all year, but they did what they needed to do to win the game. And that's what I feel like just drives us crazy is that we've seen flashes of things that work and it's like he never goes back to them. Yeah. Uh, it's just so bizarre, like, you know, and it's like it just seems like the things that, that we've talked about all year and everybody's talked about that drive us crazy, those are the things that come back. Like, And it's like he's just, like you said, he's stubborn, and he did the same thing last year. I mean, let's not let's not pretend he didn't. We saw Taquan Mizell coming onto the field on the most ridiculous times and we all went crazy. Michael Burton, Michael Burton on the field at these times, you know, that made no sense, you know, um, and the, I think that the, the difference was the defense was an eraser last year for yeah. a lot of things and they haven't gotten the turnovers. Um, although this game they did. And, you know, I mean, if Kyle Fuller could ever catch an interception, that would be amazing. Um, you know, I and mean, he has caught some, and he does have a good amount of interceptions this year. But it just seems like how many games are we talking about? What if Kyle Fuller catches that interception? You know, like yeah. it is. You know, it's 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 just like we're, and that's what the thing that kind of keeps me off the ledge is I still feel like everything being said that this team is not that far away, but. I feel like that's almost Nagy's downfall is that he feels the same way. So he's going to keep going to the well and doing what he did last year because he feels like it's right there. And, and if he can just get Mitch unlocked and, and it's like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know if that's, if we're, how close we really are. Um, you know, even though I feel that way. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Sean McVay and, and that's a good example because, you know, he did change what he wants to do. He doesn't want to run that type of offense, but at this point, at this time, that's what the Rams have to do to get a win, and, and he's willing to change. And when you look at a lot of young coaches, including McVay early in their career, you know, they have that bit of stubbornness in them because they want to do it their way. You know, they want to run the offense they want. And, and even in L.A., you know, during his first season, the Rams were pretty good. You know, there were still some criticisms of McVay and, and the way he, he wasn't being as flexible as he should. And, and I think all young coaches go through that. You know, the problem is, is, is Nagy ever going to change? If he's never going to change, if he's going to completely stay rigid, that's not going to be uh, con- con- very conducive to staying as a head coach in the NFL or a play caller. If he can't figure yeah, out a way absolutely. to find some balance, he's going to be gone. Absolutely. Hey, Lester, you know, the, the Bears played pretty damn well in the first half defensively. I don't think that uh, the Rams ran, I don't think they had 25 plays on offense in the entire first half. And then in the, the second half, they they had one, two, three, four, five, three and outs. Uh, this, you know, when you take a look at this, and this is how maddening this game is, and, and you and, and Aaron talked about the drop by Kyle Fuller that could have been a pick six. 
we had uh, we had a pass play to Anthony Miller, uh, where he broke wide open down the seam, and the 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 cornerback came off the court, the guy on the edge, and was just barely able to get a finger on the pass to deflect it. That would have been an easy six points for the Bears early on in the game. So you've got two missed field goals. You've got a, a, a you know a naggy decision to not kick a, a field goal when they had three straight possessions, their first three possessions of the game. They had a nine-play drive. They missed a field goal. They had a seven-play drive. Uh, that's when they decided to go for it and fourth down. Then they had a 12-play, 50-yard drive all in the first quarter, and they ended up missing that field goal too. So the Bears, you know, kind of like the, the San Diego game, the Bears dominated the first half of play but didn't put enough points on the board to bury the opposition. And then, you know, the, the last touchdown that the Rams scored, that eight-play drive, uh, 76 yards, even with the 50-yard touchdown pass called back, uh, it was just looking like the Bears' defense was totally disheartened while they were out there after coming off of, uh, you know, the, the, the Bears had uh, a three-and-out, a three-and-out, a five-play, 11 yards possession, another three-and-out, and then that's when the Rams finally took over. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're sitting here going, what if, what if, what if, but if this is a game where we really had – the momentum. We had the opportunity to put points on the board early, and we just didn't execute. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the, the defense was disheartened, disheartened. You know, it's human nature. I mean, if the defense, I mean, they basically know right now that the offense is struggling. You know, those players, they have to be perfect, and it's it's hard when you put that much pressure on yourself when you realize you can't make mistakes. And I think that's a big part of the regression this year is 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 the players putting a lot of pressure on themselves. And I think also think that the coaching, I don't think the the, the, the D coordinator, Chuck Pagano, I don't think he's calling exactly the, the, the scheme he wants to call. We saw early in the year he was a little more aggressive. Um, he did have a few more blitzes. He sent a, the, the nickel, he sent some safeties. He was doing a few more different creative things. But when you when you play aggressively, you open yourself up to with the potential of giving up a big play. And I don't think right now they can afford to do that because if they do give up a big play when they're going for a, for, for a, for a blitz, and they get behind, they know the offense can't come back. So I think they're trying to play things as, as, as tight as possible. They want to keep the game as close as possible, and they're and they're calling in on defense that, that way. And the same with the offense. The offense realizes they can't do much. That's why they aren't making uh, too many big shots downfield. They're trying to dink and dunk, and it's just, uh, it's just a, a, a sad offense in this day and age that we were watching it, and it's just a sad overall team. It's just a bad product in the field overall, and it all plays into each other. Um, but I do think that, you know, like you said, they, they are close. They are still some talented players on that team, but they're just not executing. I just one thing like you I'm... just mentioned. Oh, go ahead. One thing, you, one thing you just mentioned, Lester, about taking chances, and that's never more evident than on the Rams' last touchdown drive. Kyle, Kyle Fuller went for an interception, and he was about a half a step late. The receiver caught the ball, turned it upfield, and, and gained about 20, 25 yards on the play, and, and that set up their their final score. So you're you're so right. This is such a game of inches. The uh, the play to Anthony Miller was very reminiscent of the play that Chase Daniel had against the Giants last year, 
where he had, I believe it was Cohen, wide open, and and he didn't loft the ball, and the, and the, the giant defender ended up making a good play and intercepting that ball as opposed to just getting a finger on it. So there's, there's, you know, in a, in this year where it seems like where everything went right last year and everything's going wrong this year, those inches are the inches that are killing this team. Yeah, for sure. It's like you said, game inches and just not making getting the breaks this year. I mean, I mean, we've seen this happen before with teams in the past where they kind of have a really uh, uh, unexpected uh, a win total like the Bears did a year ago, and then, you know, it doesn't always break positively. Sometimes the next year breaks negatively, and that's kind of what we're seeing here with the Bears. And, and, and again, it, it all comes down to the execution. If, if they're able to execute a little better, maybe the, the record is a little better because, you know, they have been in pretty much each game this year except for the Saints game. I mean, if you really realistically, this team could be, you know, six and four, seven and, you know, seven and three. But like you said, game of inches, and the Bears aren't getting those breaks this year. Well, I also think that on defense, you got guys um, like Fuller, who this is kind of the way he plays, but he's kind of a high-risk, high-reward guy. And, you know, unfortunately, it hasn't really worked out this year. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I'm not sure why that is. I mean, I actually think Eddie Jackson played one of his better games of the year, um, you know, except for, uh, you know, on the uh, on the that goal line play where he basically was like a human turnstile, um, yeah. you know, and, and didn't fill his gap. But I mean, overall, I thought he played pretty well. But I just think that, like, maybe you're on to something with Pagano because. I feel like he is sort of playing this hybrid of last year and this year, and then they, because they never have the lead, they're unable to be as aggressive as they want at times. Um, and then, you know, you, you do also have guys taking risks, but then also it's just, you know, the ball's not bouncing their way. And all that being said, this defense has played plenty well enough for us to win. I mean, yeah. if if the team could just consistently score 20, 22 points, <laughs> we would be absolutely fine. Um, unstoppable. Just, We'd be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, that's what's just so maddening is I personally never expected nor uh, really uh, thought that Mitch was going to make this enormous leap this year. I just wanted the offense to become more consistently competent to – you know, to get better on third down, to stay on the field, to, you know, have some drives. But what you got is so inconsistent. You've got this like home run hitter offense where, you know, basically for, for, for an eight minute stretch, we look amazing. And then for the rest of the game, it's just three and out. It's garbage. And that's what I think Nagy's failing has been is that he still doesn't have a consistent sort of base uh, offense for them to run out of. And, you know, I mean, you could you could point to a lot of things. You could point to the offensive line. You could point to the tight end position disappearing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to turn it around, you know, or or even get the incremental growth that you need to see to – to get to that 20-point plateau or the 22-point plateau, I mean, what do you see as some, some, you know, uh, things to be hopeful about? <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had more more to go for, but honestly, in, in, unless there's a change 
at the quarterback spot where, where I'm not saying a change in, in a new player, but, you know, when we saw flashes last year from Trubisky where he made plays, you know, we didn't see him struggle so much to, to read a defense like, like he did a year ago. You know, it, it, the thing with Trubisky is, is it's not only his, his, his post-snap, you know, uh, problems, he's having some pre-snap problems where there's things that are, that are just so obvious, you know, to, 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 to pretty much anyone when he comes to the line and he's just not seeing certain things. If, if there's a, a, a big blitz coming to, from one side, he doesn't understand that. He doesn't see where he has to get his hot read to. Right. You know, these pre-snap problems that we didn't see last year, you know, they're, they're, they're coming up this year. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the, the deal is. The only thing I, the only hope that I think that there is, is if, is if the head coach will, will stop being so stubborn and if it will just go to the, to the boring, slow down, you know, type of offense where he runs the ball more. And, and yeah, the Bears may not be built to do that, but they had some success doing it, you know, and, and, and you have to build your, your offense around the I formation and so be it. You know, it's the West Coast offense. It's not that complicated where you can't, you know, put certain pass plays and, and routes concepts in off of the eye or an offset eye. You know, you can do that. You can build it off that and play action, and that's what you have to do. But we haven't seen him commit to that. And then the quarterback, again, he's got to play a little better and, and get out of his own head because the only thing I can think of going on with him is he's just he's, he's, he's overanalyzing everything he sees. He's, he's frozen at, at times, and, and it's sad because, you know, he looked so promising a year ago, and we're not seeing any of that happen this season. When we looked at, you know, past quarterbacks in, in the history of the NFL, you know, one of the guys that, that brought the, that I kind of remember uh, is Dante Culpepper, who looked great when he had Randy Moss in the lineup. But when he left, it was apparent that, that Culpepper couldn't read a defense. And that seems to be Trubisky's problem this year, where it didn't be, seem to be so much last year. And I'm wondering if the if if uh, the the switch between Daniels and Whitehair and is was Daniels not picking up the right line calls to make for Trubisky to, to make the the appropriate read. Number one, number two. A few weeks ago, we had Chicago sports broadcasting legend Peggy Kaczynski on. And she came up with a, with a, uh, an observation that I had looked at, but she kind of put it really, really in clear perspective when she was talking about the fact that, that Coach Nagy has all these great schemes and all these great formations, but they're all on film. And what he's not doing this year is he's not running plays that are different from the formations look from the years prior that are on tape. So the defenses are now ready for those plays, whereas they obviously not having them on tape, we couldn't see them before, and they were successful. That one of the one of the great one of the great things, you know, last year you go back to the Tampa game when Trubisky had his uh, you know five touchdown passes in the first half and six overall. And on one of the touchdowns, they ran a trip formation to the near side of the field. They faked a bubble screen, and I forget the uh, receiver, but he leaked out. Uh, it was an easy throw and catch for, for like a 15, 18-yard touchdown. So that was a play that was safe formation, different play altogether, and it was successful. And we're just not seeing that this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, part of it is just like you said, the, the defense that they have tape now. I mean, it's a it's a game of adjustments, and if you're not willing to adjust and, and do what you got to do, and 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 understand that defenses are gonna are gonna counter what you want to do, and and you know the Bears they did have some success on offense last year, but they were, let's not let's not act like they were great on offense. They were a, 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 like 15th, 16th in, in DVOA. You know, they had a, a, a middle of the pack kind of offense last year, so. Nagy shouldn't be resting on those laurels. You know, he should have looked to, to develop, and, and that's what the plan was during during training camp. I mean, we talked about the, the version two or two of his offense. You know, they did put a bunch of different stuff in during camp. If you were at camp, you know, you saw some stuff that we didn't see, you know, the, the year prior. So, again, I think it's come down to the execution. I don't think he trusts um, what what it, what, he, what his players are able to do for him. And then going back to the to the to the White here Daniels swap, you know, the, the company line was they wanted a veteran center, you know, between the two young guards. They didn't want to have a young guard Daniels next to a young guard Coward. So that's the company line. But, you know, there may be something to it where, where, where James Daniels wasn't making the right protection calls because when they come out of the line, it's, it's, it's up to the center to call the protection first. They set it. But then once it's set, you know, a defense is going to move around. And, and when that happened, now it falls to the quarterback. He has to readjust it based on what the defense does. So if, if Daniels not making the original set, then it falls on the quarterback to, to, to reset it. So there was a disconnect somewhere. You know, it seems like the, the, hopefully those aren't going to be a problem moving forward. You got, you got the veteran back at center. But again, ultimately it falls on the quarterback to, to recognize what's happening with the blitz, to recognize the overload, to recognize the guy sneaking up, to recognize where his hot route is and find him. There's been too many times this year where Trubisky has not seen the open guy. He has not read the, the blitz coming. And when there's a free blitzer, that's on him. That's on the quarterback to, to understand that. You can't block everyone sometimes. You just you can't do it. That's on the quarterback, and he's not making those right decisions. Let me ask you this, Lester. What do you think we see for the rest of the year? Do you think we see Mitch for the rest of the year if he's healthy, or yeah. do we? Yeah. what do we see? Yeah, I think it's Mitch. I mean, you know, when, when, he, when he was pulled from the Rams game, I, I thought what everyone thought. I thought he was being pulled. Um, then they talked about the hip injury, and I didn't buy it at first. But, you know, I figured if there's something there, maybe, you know, they just want to use it as the excuse. But then you go back and watch the film. Um, a, f- a few guys have, 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 have shared uh, uh, shots on Twitter, some clips. And you do see him favoring his hip a little bit. You know, the, the problem is with Trubisky is his mechanics have been so bad all year that while he was doing all, all these, these all-arm throws during the game against the Rams, we didn't notice it live because we're used right. to seeing him have bad mechanics. But then when you go back and watch it, you see the bad mechanics followed up by a limp. So you're like, okay, maybe he wasn't able to put all the pressure on his hip. Could it have been convenient for him to use that as a cue to get him out of the game? Yeah, but, you know, if, if you want to believe the conspiracy theory, I mean, that's that's one thing. But, you know, the coach said that, you know, that they wanted to see how Trubisky was feeling. Trubisky tried gutting it out when they realized the game was out of reach at, at a 10-point deficit. You know, he wasn't able to put a lot of uh, weight on it. He it was all arm throws. You know, he had to go to him and tell him to be honest. You know, can you play? Like, are you able to, to do what you can do? And if Trubisky's answer was, you know, no, coach, I, I'm not able to put everything into my throws, then you got to pull him at that point. The optics of it look bad, yes. The perception of it is that he got pulled because he was doing bad. But who knows what it is. I mean, we'll see this week if he doesn't practice and then he's benched. But, but I got a feeling that if he can go, he'll be your starter the rest of the year. Because, I, honestly, Chase Daniel is, is he's what he is. He can, he can play a game or two if he has to. But he's he's not he's not he's not the guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that my problem with it was the way that it was handled because, you know, he, Nagy says Chase was warming up, but nobody saw that. And then you see the picture of Chase looking at them, talking to them. I mean, he doesn't look like he thinks he's going in the game. And yeah. when at, when they made the change, Nagy said they were planning on it the entire Rams drive previous, which is like a four-minute drive. And, and there's just no way that that's true. And then the other thing is, if you knew he was hurt, why are you running the option with yeah. him? Like, it's just there's so many things that Nagy does where it's like he just has lacks a, a, a kind of basic awareness of what's going on in the game. Um, and I just think it's all too much for him, which is why, you know, I really feel like what I want to see next year, which I hope happens, because I think we're kind of stuck with Mitch being on the team, but maybe they'll bring a veteran or, or you know, somebody to compete with him, is I think you got to bring in an offensive coordinator who's who can call the plays and tell Nagy that he can't anymore because he just can't handle the game. He can't manage the game and call the plays. It's just It's just too much for him. I believe he will develop over time and be a good coach and i would not i would not cut bait with him just yet but yeah i just feel like pace has to have a real you know like somebody needs to grab naggy and and hide their faces with the play sheet and have a real heart to heart and be like bro you can't do this like like you're trying to do something that you're not capable of doing and i just you know like I, I just worry that maybe they are, maybe he would rather see Chase Daniel run his offense so that he could show everybody that his offense really works without Mitch. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that 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 could be part of it. I mean with Chase Daniel, I mean what you do is you get a guy that understands the pre-snap reads. He, he can make the progressions, but you know he he's just not you know as far from an athletic standpoint, from a, from an arm talent standpoint, you know he's just not able to do certain things that Trish right. can do. So, again, I don't see a change happening. And, and to, the, to the point of, of him giving a play calling, I don't see that happening either. I just don't see, right. see him ever doing it. I think he's going to always do it. And, and I think it's going to be a thing where, if, again, if he can't change some of the things he does, the way he calls the game, if he can't change some of his, his, his overall philosophy on offense, he's going to be out of a job. I, I can't see him giving it up. I think he's, gonna, he's either going to change or he's going to go down with the ship. Yeah. Hey, Lester, there was an article that came out a day or so ago. Um, I don't see an author um, who's been tagged on it, but it came out of letsbeardown.com, um, where the, the author was detailing the comments made on the Dan Hampton, Ed Obradovich, and Glenn Kozlowski postgame show. Did you happen to see that article or, or hear the postgame? No, I didn't. I didn't catch that post game. The um, the just some disturbing commentary from Dan Hampton and and Kozlowski, uh, and these are uh, quotes that they are supposed to be quotes, but I can I can only attribute it to the fact that it said they're in quotes on the article. Dan Hampton literally called Khalil Mack a thief. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did hear about these things, yeah. And, and Glenn Kozlowski, who I respected in the past, uh, he says he's watching Khalil Mack uh, it, be taking himself out of critical plays because he's tired 
and he accused him of being not only Mac being out of shape, but the entire defense being out of shape. And I just, uh, I just can't understand how these former athletes, uh, former Bears, can make such outrageous claims. Yeah, as far as being out of shape, I can't see that happening. With, if, you know, I was I was at camp a few days. You know, uh, we had someone there at camp. You know, pretty much every single day this year. And and Khalil Mack is one of those guys that if, if there was a plan made on defense, you know, he, he ran the, the the length of the field. You know, he, he was always in shape. You know, he was you know one of the better in shape guys in the team. And and the same with the defense. You know, the, these guys are, are professional athletes. No one's out of shape. You know, you know these guys aren't doing that. I think that's just them. You know, pointing to. Their, their anger as, as Bears and Bears fans is, is they want this team to be better. And, and with Cleo Mack, you know, he, he had no stats this last game. But, you know, he's getting double, triple teams, you know, pretty much every play. You know, teams are scheming to, to, to make him not a factor. And if there's only one guy on the defense, you know, getting any, any quarterback pressure, it's not that hard to take him out. To expect him to make all the plays is not happening. The, the loss of Akeem Hicks is huge because, you know, at least that's a guy that can get, get a push up the middle. Um, you know, no one on that defense is able to get after the quarterback. I'm not sure if, if Jared Goff was even touched in the Rams game. If you're going to double Khalil Mack, someone's got to make a play, and right now, no one is. Yeah, it's ironic that that I'm going to bring this up. I've been talking about the um, irony of this season after a playoff season going all the way back to the 1988-1989 Bears teams when the Bears in 88 made it all the way to the NFC title game and the Bears of last year fell just short of that. But the Bears started off the season in 1989 winning four games in a row and then they they proceeded to go 2-10 and ten the rest of the year. Uh, the, the significance, Dan Hampton was lost for the rest of the year after the, the game Monday night game against Philadelphia, which was week four. How ironic is it that we're talking about Dan Hampton slurring the team now, and it was his injury, similar to that of Akeem Hicks, when we lost the heart and soul of this team is when everything started to go backwards. Yeah, you know, as, as bad as the pass rush has been with who it's Hicks missing, you know, overall the defense, like you said, they're, they're playing decent football. I mean, I think they're third or fourth in the league in points allowed, um, but they're just not able to be as aggressive they want to be. I think it all boils down to it. If you have Hicks back and the plan is, I believe, for him to try and make, come back at least for the last few games of the year, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Bears won't have nothing to play for then. So just a just a Yeah, so why overall. bring him back? Yeah, you know, at, at that point, you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, we'll, so we'll see what happens here. Um, it's just a, a tough season. You know, there's there's problems in all three phases. You know, it's not just offense, not just defense. You know, the special teams has had issues as well. So, you know, where do you go from here? You just got to hope that you have enough pieces in place to where a minor tweak in your offseason gets you back in the playoff picture. And there's no reason to think that it can't because you, you do look at the, the Bears defense and they can't play as aggressive as they want to be because they haven't had the opportunity to play all season with a lead except for in the Washington game. They've been close every step of the way. And even last year in in the, in three of the four, four of the five games that they lost, including the Philadelphia game, they, they had a chance to win every single game. So they could have had one loss going into the postseason, avoided having to play that, that uh, uh, wildcard game against Philadelphia. So 
it's frustrating because, and I've been talking about this all season long, just about on every every podcast. You can't look at a loss as saying it was just one game because that one game could cost you the difference between making the playoffs or not, or having a bye week in the playoffs or not, or having a home game in the playoffs or not. So you have to take every single game and and just go one and oh every week. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely a week to week league and 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 you know you, you got all you can do is play the schedule in front of you. So you know, I mean, as far as Bears fans, I mean, technically, you know, the Bears are still in the playoff mix. I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated yet. So, you know, all we can do is just, 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 uh, you know, hope, hope for the best. And, and then if the Bears are and when they are eliminated, then you got to hope they can play spoiler and just build something towards next year. So at some point, I'd like to see some of these young guys get some reps once they are out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I just hope that um, they can hold the team together, to be honest, because I think, you know, uh, six games left is a lot of time and things can really unravel quickly. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I don't think we've hit rock bottom yet. Um, yeah. So I hope that they can at least uh, rally and play with some pride and maybe maybe pull, a you know, a seven and nine, uh, maybe even an eight and eight season out of this. Um, you know, with the wild card teams being eight and two and and so forth, it, it's it's the playoffs are pretty unlikely. But yep. um, anyway, thank you, Lester, for uh, for your time. I know you got to get back. Um, but uh, of course, our, our uh, anyone uh, can follow Lester on Twitter and follow Windy City Gridiron. They do. Uh, some of the best stuff. I remember uh, the other day on Twitter, I was asking, you know, how many sacks, um, you know, uh, are Trubisky's fault? And lo and behold, uh, you guys are already doing that research and doing uh, that breakdown, you know, um, and, and you see how many times it is not necessarily the offensive line that has caused the sack. It's actually Trubisky you know, running himself into no man's land or not stepping up into the pocket or, or so forth. So thanks for uh, all the great work that you do uh, over there at Windy City Gridiron, all the people that you work with. Um, and we just appreciate you giving us the time. Anytime, fellas. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. You're always thanks. welcome, Lester. Come on board anytime, my friend. Love it. Love it. Appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Sure. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who isn't? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere welcome back everybody thanks again for uh ticksplits.com ticksplits.com uh, every ticket every venue everywhere and we're going to actually give away two tickets uh to the bears game against dallas uh and the winner of the tickets is uh lisa suhansky uh, she uh, was able to email us and put her name into the entry, and we're so thankful that she's listening all the way down in Oklahoma. Uh, but uh, so hopefully she can arrange for an air flight to get to Chicago and take on the Bears. So thank you so much for entering our contest. 
TickSplits.com. Uh, go to TickSplits.com. You never have to pay a service fee. And if you use promo code TAILGATE, it's all caps, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, you will save 5% on any tickets, whether it's concerts, music festivals, Broadway shows, or, of course, your favorite Chicago sports team, TickSplits.com. Aaron, before we wrap up on this, uh, this segment, talking about the debacle <laughs> that was the Rams game, the very last play, Trubisky was on the field before the Rams took over and, and, and stuck a dagger in with that touchdown drive. The very last play was Trubisky got the ball. He started to roll a little bit to his left, and then he threw the ball back in the middle of the field at the feet, behind the feet of Taylor Gabriel. And this is where, if, if you want to poke at injury, I think this is where you see this injury really rear its head because the left side was open. You had, I think he wanted to originally get the ball to Tariq Cohen, which was, he was in the flat right about the first down marker. But if Trubisky continued, and there was nobody in front of him other than the, the guy that was defending uh, Cohen on the play, if he presses that corner and makes the corner decide to do one of two things, either come up to tackle Trubisky, he, he can lob the ball over his head to a wide open Tariq Cohen, or if he sticks with Cohen, he can move ahead and easily get that first down. It was a fourth down play. Um, or I'm sorry, it was a third down play. And then they punted, and, and the rest, of course, is, is history, and he never saw the field. Uh, so that, that one play, <clears throat> I really think, showed that he was hurting. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just feel like that's nothing we haven't seen from him all season. I mean, it, it's it, yes, he was hurting. Yes, that's an excuse for him doing that this time, maybe. But he does that. All, he does. He's done that his entire career. He can't can't find the open guy. I mean, doesn't realize that uh, Allen Robinson's matched up on a linebacker. Um, you know, he he holds the ball too long. I mean, it's just it, it's you know we can use the hip excuse this time. But I mean, I'm I, I just don't think he's very good. Um, like at the end of the day, and I hear a lot of people saying, "Well, run a run an offense like Baltimore." No, <laughs> he's not Lamar Jackson, and he cannot run that offense because look at his injury history already. He's got two shoulder injuries from running. Now he's got a hip injury from running. He can't. He's not going to hold up. Like so. You can't do that. Like, we cannot run, um, you know, uh, some kind of mobile quarterback offense. And, you know, I honestly, I don't know how long Lamar Jackson's going to hold up. He's been lucky and hasn't taken the big hits. But, you know, it, it's it's always a risk. Um, but he's not the type of athlete that, uh, you know, Mitch is not the type of athlete that Lamar Jackson is running. So you have all these fans, you know, just clamoring, roll him out, you know, get him on the run, this, that, and the other. Well, you know, teams are going to adjust to that too. And he becomes a runner, and it's only a matter of time. And you saw what happened. I mean, he he got injured on a rollout. Uh, none of his receivers did a damn thing on the scramble drill. 
they, in fact, Hogue and Johns both mentioned during the game that it looked like all the receivers just stopped. I mean, that's a coaching problem or it's an effort problem or I don't know what it is. So he's got nowhere to go. He doesn't throw the ball away. He takes a hit. And there you go. His hip is injured. So it's like, I mean, you know, that's why I think that they realize this game's out of hand and now the season's over. Let's use this hip injury as an excuse because they don't want to add more fuel to the fire about the, the, the screwed up pick the screwed up development that Nagy has has done and they couldn't even get that right <laughs> like they failed their own plan to to use this as an excuse and I think on some level they're also trying to protect the kid I guess but I mean you got three timeouts there's three minutes and 24 seconds left and you're down by 10 a normal NFL team that has a competent offense is not waving the white flag at that time. And that's exactly what that was. So I just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be real interested to see what's what happens now, because when it happened, I thought, wow, they're pulling him. And if he's hurt, I don't know when it happened. Um, but this is, this might be it for Mitch. And now Michael said that, you know, and, and they interviewed Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth said it. And they interviewed those guys and, and, and on, on local sports radio and none of them knew what the heck was going on because the Bears didn't tell anybody. Like the PR staff failed. You know, most of the time when you have an injury at, before halftime, somebody says, oh, Mitch is being evaluated for uh, a hip injury. His return is questionable, you know, so that when and if this comes up, you know, you've already got the groundwork laid for why he's out of the game or whatever. But they didn't do that, you know. And then Nagy's story totally didn't match up on Sunday night with what Mitch said about the injury. So either Mitch is hiding the injury, which is possible, but then Nagy says we're going and and people knew about it. It's just sloppy. Like, the whole thing is just sloppy. They're flailing. They're trying to chase last year. And it's just not working. Like, I yeah. mean, well, let's just face it. Next year, last year is not happening this year. Right. You know, they they already have two more losses than they did in the regular season. Right. You know, and we've talked about a couple of times now. We've talked about the '89 season when the Bears went two and ten after starting four and zero after Dan Hampton went out with a season-ending injury. And and there was a, an interview that Ditka had post-game. One time where he looks straight in the reporter's eyes and says, I don't I don't think we can win another game the rest of the year. And they they did win. I, don't, I can't remember when the interview was. I've been looking for it on YouTube and can't find it. Uh, but they did win at least one more game after that that uh, commentary. Speaking of one more game, next on tap is a, a home game against the, the New York Giants. And the, the Bears have had a real amazing history with the uh, with the New York Giants. In during the, the regular season, they have met, met 51 times. The Bears hold a 28 to 21 edge. There's been two ties, and they are five and three against the Giants uh, in the playoffs. So four of those five victories were NFL championship games. So the Bears have won nine championships overall. 
And the Giants were the opponent in four of those nine victories. Yeah. I mean, the history between the Bears and Giants is, is uh, long and storied for sure. So those, all of those championship games happened from 1933 until 1963. The first one was uh, back in 1933 with the Bears winning uh, 23 to 21. Probably the, the, the one game that I remember in the championship games, because there's been two playoff games um, in the, in the uh, 90s. Uh, the 1986 and uh, 1991. Um, so of course that was the Super Bowl year when they when they beat the the Giants 21 to nothing. But in 1963, when that was the the last NFL championship matchup between these two teams, uh, and I was actually alive back then, believe it or not. Uh, you know, the Bears won 14 to 10 based largely on defense. They had two interceptions that set up touchdowns. Uh, both of their touchdowns came on quarterback sneaks, uh, and then they held off. And this was, you know, Y.A. Tittle and Frank Gifford. This is some great offensive team, some offensive players on, on a Giants team back from the 60s. But the one interesting game in NFC championship lore is the 1934 NFL championship game. Uh, of course, Aaron, neither one of us was alive on there, but there's been a lot written about that game. This game is uh, historically known as the sneakers game. The sneakers game, the Bears were ahead, and this is a team that was 13 and 0 going into that game. Um, the Giants were all but 8 and 5. It had gotten beat by the Bears earlier in the season. There was a, a freezing rain that fell the night before the game at the Polo Grounds, and uh, the ground was pretty frozen. But still, the Bears were actually ahead 13 to three after three quarters. Um, in the third quarter, uh, one of their uh, equipment guys went to a local college and raided the basketball lockers. Uh, with the approval of, of the, the coach and came back with a bunch of sneakers, not for everybody, but for some of their key players. And all of a sudden, you know, these players had some traction and the rest is history. They outscored the Bears 27 to nothing in the fourth quarter to take that game. That would have been the first championship game. Uh, and we all talk about the 1972 Dolphins being 17 and 0. Bears would have been 14 and oh, they didn't play that many games uh, back in those days. Sometimes they were lucky to play 10 games, 12 games. Um, it was basically a 10-game season until the till the late 40s became a 12-game season, and we didn't even start playing a 14-game season until 1961. So there was a 14-game season from 61 to 77. And then the format changed to what we now know as a 16-game season. Uh, it's been that way ever since 1978. But that was uh, that was that was a fun game to to read about. I don't know if you had a chance to read about that game or not. No, no, I never. I have not. No, definitely not. That's cool to hear about. I hadn't. I I had not been familiar with that. 
1985, of course, the Super Bowl 20, the Bears won 46 to 10. And the following year, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. And in night, so the 1987 season, everybody was hoping to see a New York Giant Chicago Bears NFC title game, but it's a game that never took place because unfortunately a uh, punt return by Daryl Green from the the, San, or the Washington Redskins ended the Bears' hopes of, of winning what was what ended up being Walter Payton's last game of his career. The, yeah. NF, the NFL, this was kind of interesting. The NFL decided to have the NFC championship game that wasn't to open the season. It was a Monday night game in Chicago. Uh, in It was September 14th of 1987. And the Bears just destroyed the Giants 34 to 19 uh, on that day. I believe that was uh, Mike Tomzak was the quarterback. Probably had one of his best games as, as a Bears quarterback. He threw he was 20 of 34 for 219 yard, 292 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, but the play of the game was in the fourth quarter when Dennis McKinnon ran a punt back for 94 yards, I believe it was, uh, for the game-winning, for uh, for the game-icing touchdown. Um, I had the pleasure of being at that game. Even though at the time I was living in New Orleans, I had, uh, I had driven up uh, to spend the week in Chicago and surprised my brother, and we went to the game together. Uh, just what a fun, fun game that turned out to be. Yeah, for sure. So the history is rich. I mean, you can go to profootballreference.com where I get a lot of my information from. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun to go back and read the history. There's a big write-up on the 1934 championship game on Wikipedia. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, if you're into Bears history the way that, that Aaron and I are, there's so much to look for and read about this amazing franchise. We're going through some bad times now, uh, but it'll get better. When we've been talking about the, the eerie similarity between this team and the 1989 Bears team uh, that ended up losing 10 out of their last 12 games, I mean, the Bears kind of look like they might hit that this year. They came back in 1990 and 1991 and, won, and were 11-5 and five each year. They didn't make the Super Bowl. They didn't make the NFC title game those years. Uh, but they did make they did come back and, and make it to the playoffs until they went 5-11 uh, in 1992. And that was Mike Ditka's last year as, as a Bears coach. Uh, and then, then, of course, Dave Wonset came in. He was 9-7 and seven in 94 and 95, made the playoffs in 94, and they beat Philadelphia at home the last game of the year. Only, I believe it was the Atlanta-San Francisco game later that, that afternoon, uh, and I can't remember the outcome, but the wrong team ended up winning that game, which ended up knocking the Bears out of the playoffs in, in 95. So... Uh, 
Look at history, guys. That's why we do this every week on Alatech Hall Show. We look back at the rich history of 100 years of Bears football. And it, when you take a look at all of the great players, there's 13 guys uh, whose numbers have been retired. Then they're all posted on the, the Bears website. They're posted on the, the profootballreference.com. If you go to the games, you see their numbers proudly displayed on the, the wall. I wish they had a ring of honor at Soldier Field like they do at so many other stadiums because there's so many more players that you need to read and learn about that created what is the history of the Chicago Bears. The NFL Network is going through a series of shows that are going to release the best 100 or top 100 players in the 100-year history of the NFL. And the first, the first position they're going to attack is running backs. They're only going to put 12 of those running backs in. But if you take a look at some of the nominees, you've got several bears on that list. You've got Red Grange. You've got Bronco Nagurski. You've got, of course, Gail Sayers and, and Walter Payton. So they're going to have at least two Bears players on that Hall of Fame top 100 list at the running back position. This, uh, I, I, I love all of what you said, and, and I think um, the Bears history is, is certainly storied and rich, but I'm finding myself lately very, very frustrated with the recent history of the Bears. And I, I took to task as many have before, um, you know, the leadership of, of Ted Phillips and George McCaskey and, you know, why since basically since the late eighties, this team has been pretty much bad. I mean, you know, this is a storied and, and rich history, but it is not a storied and rich history full of winning. It's a story and rich history full of almost winning and not living up to expectations and having great defenses that didn't do anything. Um, and, you know, I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, but I mean, you know, how many, how many good teams did Walter Payton get the chance to even play on? Um, you know, or Gail Sayers or, you know, you know, any of these things. I mean, there was a thing where they were talking about the best player on the Bears in the 90s. And some guy said it was Big Cat Williams. <laughs> and I don't know if I, I mean, the, that's that's pathetic. Like, I love Big Cat, but just the entire decade of the 90s for the Bears was brutal. I mean, just brutal. And the 2000s had a few moments, but under Ted Phillips as president, it's been just embarrassing. I mean, and 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 last year, you know, you would have to look, you have to look at it and go, okay, well, this is this is really a, a fluke when you're talking about the Super Bowl era Bears post, let's say 88, 89. Um, you know, and I don't know what's going to change with this unless the ownership changes or the leadership, you know, and I, and I think that bringing in Pace and Nagy to me felt like a, a, a different type of 
strategy. Maybe, you know, um, and I think that maybe Ted Phillips, you know, took more of a back seat, um, you know, than before. But when you see the results, and here we are again with the same talk uh, again and again, we have no quarterback, we have a defense, but we this, that, blah, we can't. Like, it's just so tiresome. And and I don't know what's going to change with this regime, you know, and then you, we've talked about the stadium. I mean, the stadium is is let's be honest, it's it's a debacle. The city and the state are still paying for this deal that got us the smallest stadium in the league. And, you know, um, it's a nightmare on game days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, you know, like it's hard to. To sit here and go, Green Bay has a 10 times better stadium than the city of Chicago. And, you know, I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, what do you do you think that what makes you think that that we're going to pull out of this? I mean, as a as a, someone who's been a Bears fan longer than I've been alive, what makes you think we're going to do it? Well, there's there's a lot to digest there. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can. And uh, for those of you that listen to our show on a regular basis, this is completely unscripted. Uh, Aaron, Aaron and I talk, and we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, we have a brief outline saying we're going to talk about the Bears game, the last Bears game. This is what we're going to do for our history segment. This is going to be our guest. This is what we're going to talk about for our upcoming game. And that's it. And the rest is totally off the cuff. So. God, where do I begin? So let's begin with ownership. Uh, Mike McCaskey, let's go back to Mike McCaskey. That was the abortion for this franchise. That was the low point. When when George came in, you know, George has come in to do what, he, I think he's done a great job. Now, has he done a, a fantastic job to put winning product on the field? No. Ted Phillips? Ted Phillips is a businessman. He's not a football man. Ted Phillips is the architect that put together the stadium deal. But for the most part, his hands were tied by the city of Chicago. So let's put the blame where the blame belongs. The city of Chicago failed. The city failed the team by handcuffing the Bears on what they could or could not do. they couldn't tear down Soldier Field and build a brand new stadium from the ground up to make it a larger stadium. They had to fit a stadium inside the columns. To and then they ended up losing the historical status of the structure to begin with. So why bother? So let's put that blame exactly where the blame belongs on the city of Chicago and the politicians and the corruptness of what is Chicago and Illinois politics first and foremost. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll stop right there. If you want to change it, I, there, here's your idea. And we've talked about it before. Build the stadium on what is now the property that Grand Park sits on. It's the acreage is twice that of the acreage of the current Soldier Field location. If you want to keep your, your columns in the south end zone where it curves around, where it says Soldier Field, you can still keep it Soldier Field, and inside the columns, build those those softball fields. And then make the park more of a park instead of just a bunch of softball fields and make it for the entire city. 
Right. You can still hold Lollapalooza and, and other right. stuff like that there, but you can now use the, what is currently Grant Park as a state-of-the-art facility. I, I'm sorry, I I know there's so many traditionalists out there that says, oh, you got to build an open-air stadium. And to the deference of our younger fans out there, I say bullshit. Make it a retractable dome because you need to play on a fast surface because that's how football is played nowadays. And when you get to the Super Bowl, every single Super Bowl location is on a fast field. Even if it's a grass field like that in Arizona or Miami, where it's going to be played this year, the field is in pristine condition and it plays fast. Unless, of course, like the Bears played in 06, you get a monsoon in Miami. Mm -hmm. Mike McCaskey is the problem that we're still overcoming today. Um, Phillips was elevated to president because of what he did to get that stadium built, not because of his football acumen. They tried to bring football people in, uh, and they failed miserably at it because they don't have football people to interview football people for the jobs that they need to put them in to succeed. They gave a shot to a guy that came from a great organization down in New Orleans, and they've played well. They've been to the Super Bowl. They've won the Super Bowl. They're consistently in playoff contention when they brought Ryan Pace in, and Ryan Pace had a lot to deal with on his plate. First of which, he had a terrible roster. Second of which, their their facilities were substandard. Third of which, players didn't want to come here. Players didn't want to come here. Now, we've got a head coach that's got a bright future. I still believe in Nagy, although he's, I'm going to agree with Peggy Kaczynski. He's going through a sophomore slump. Ryan Pace recently has made more good picks than bad picks, with the obviously the the exception of, of Trubisky. Uh, but you know, he brought in Allen Robinson. He brought in Akeem Hicks. He traded for Khalil Mack. He brought in Gabriel. Uh, Montgomery, I think, has got a lot of promise, uh, except for they haven't been able to open up any holes for him. So what the hell is going on with our offensive line? We're supposed to have the, one of the best offensive line coaches in the entire football arena, let alone just NFL. But we're, you're talking college and mm -hmm. pro. He's renowned as being one of the best coaches in the business. But our, our offensive line has done squat to help this offense out. Is Mitch Trubisky not reading defenses? Is the offensive line not making the right calls for blocking adjustments? Don't know what the problem is. But I do believe in Ryan Pace. I do believe in George McCaskey. And I definitely want to see the Bears win a Super Bowl before Virginia passes away. She deserves it. We want to talk about problems. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. How many Super Bowls have they won? None. How many right. Super Bowls have they been to? None. We're talking 54 years of ineptitude in Cleveland. Let's talk about Detroit. How many Super Bowls have they won? None. None. How many Super Bowls have they, they've been to? None. 
They've got a great facility. They have two decent facilities yeah. since I've been alive. You know, the, the Silver Dome, I had the pleasure of sitting in and watching two Bears games. Nice facility. Not the best neighborhood. Ford Field, fantastic facility. Minnesota has got a great facility. I'm sorry, Lambeau Field, I've been to several times. It's like sitting in a sardine can because they you sit on bleachers and you're packed in there like sardines. You have to go and rent one of those little portable seats that's got a seat back to it so you can put your butt down and not be crowded by people around you. Um, great history, don't get me wrong, but let's remember Lambeau Field doesn't get built if it wasn't for George Hallis. So yeah, we've had some bad years. Take a look at the at the post Lombardi era Packers. The post Lombardi era Packers were a miserable lot until some guy by the name of Brett Favre came and threw a pass that he completed to himself for the first reception of his career in a Packer uniform, and the rest is history. And then they luck out by having Aaron Rodgers drop all the way down to what was it, 21st? when he was available to become a, a you know a first round draft choice so yeah we've we've had some bad luck uh, we've made some bad decisions but let's go and take a look at every single general manager in this league and you will find that you know what everybody's human and we all make mistakes can i talk about uh, tony Man- mandrich i think his name was let's talk about ryan leaf uh, you know, those are all huge mistakes. Unfortunately, the Bears are in the third largest market. And out of all the teams we just talked about, their fans are more passionate than any of those fans. Even though we've got we've got the Bears, uh, we've got the Cubs, we've got the Sox, we've got the Blackhawks, we've got the Bulls. But this is a Bears town, always has been, always will be. It was great to see the, the, the Cubs win a few years ago. It was great to see the Sox win in 05. We had the six championships in eight years from the Bulls, and we had the three Stanley Cup championships from 2010 to 2015 for the Blackhawks. But after all is said and done, this is a Bears town. And as you can tell by my, my long dissertation, I'm a pretty avid Bears fan, and I will always be a Bears fan. Uh, there is nothing that, that brings me more joy than to sit in the stadium or sit in front of my TV and watch a Bears victory. So, guys, yeah, we're going through a bad stretch. It'll get better. And it will get better with what we have in the front office. I would love to see them boot Phillips, you know, make him, make him president of something uh, they needs, put, they it, need to they need to do what the Cubs did with Crane Kenny yeah. and really like wall him off in just finances like and and, and I mean <laughs> and thank you for saying what you just said because you you helped me and you gave me the perspective that I needed to hear and I do agree with you I I don't want to get rid of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy because I believe that if you get rid of these guys and we have a short leash on them, they will go on to succeed in other places. They are talented, smart guys. And I do believe that long-term they're the best hires that probably, that possibly the bears have made in a long time. It's just so frustrating. 
and you know it better than I do, but to, to talk about getting rid of Lovey Smith when he had 10 wins, and then since then, we've had 10 wins one time, <laughs> and it was last year, and 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 you just go, what? like... You know what are we do? and and you know and there's lots of reasons and you can go into it's just it's just hard to it's just it's hard you know what I mean and especially because we got so excited and I think we got too excited last year and everybody got excited Virginia and George and Ted and all of them got excited you know and and I'm sure they're hurting and and frustrated uh, more than anybody and I do believe George McCaskey cares a whole hell of a lot more than Michael ever did about this team and I do believe I don't have a problem with him I think he's trying and I think what you said is 100% true that Ryan Pace modernized the the facilities and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace together have made this team a modern team that that players want to come play for um you know and that's a lot more than Gar Foreman and John Paxson can could do for the Bulls you know, and, you know, uh, Kenny Williams can do for the White Sox, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's just like you said, no matter what else we win in this town, it's like there's just that big missing piece of the Bears. And when the Bears are good, Chicago is a better place to be and <laughs> and live and everything about it. Even if you don't like the Bears, you may not even realize how much the Bears being good affects everything, but it really is so intrinsically related to the psyche of this city. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just so impossibly depressing when they, when, when they stink. And then when they, when you think they're going to be good and we, 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 we really got ramped up to believe that this was a, a team and then to see what's happened now is just so it's just it's just so hard you know and but i do think as we talked about with lesser the difference between a, the bad teams and the good teams in the nfl is not that great just like they in just like 2017 turned into 2018 while 2020 can can rebound exactly the same from 2019 i just hope that the that Nagy can hold things together and I hope that he's learning from this in the right ways and honestly I hope that maybe he pulls back a little bit because I think that his honesty and his a lot of the things we liked about him are getting him in trouble a little bit now as you know as I mentioned um, conviction and confidence quickly turn into stubbornness and you know uh, arrogance when you're losing <laughs> so you know it's it's just about perception um but that's what i think is that you know i think that even as bad as things are and as dark as they seem we're not that far from you know from getting back to where we can be and i still think you know we're, it's we're talented and whatnot it's just it's just hard sometimes when you you know, when you kind of pull away and you look at it from a long view and go, good Lord, what am I like? What am I spending all this time and energy and passion on? You know? Well, you could be, you know, smoke dope, you know, put your your passions, put your passions there. 
Um, yeah. my, uh, my little buddy who you just saw on camera, of course the people uh, on the podcast can't see it, but her name is Peyton. And she wanted to me to remind you that it's a sad part that we're not live because we could have been the first Chicago Bears podcast to announce that the Bears have just elevated uh, tight end Jesper Horstead to the active roster. Hey, that's so, exciting. <laughs> so, uh, so we might as well end this podcast on a positive note. Yes, yes. And hope we uh, we see him do something uh, in a, in the Bears because you know, that's uh, that's just another position that we've talked about all year. That's been a disappointment is our tight end position. So, uh, a lot of us. We're anticipating seeing Horstead on the active roster from week one, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I believe they, they held on to Burton uh, way too long. Speaking of Trey Burton, do you think we've seen the last of him in a Bears uniform, or are we going to keep him next year? Because he does have one more year in his contract. Yeah, but, I just feel like the cost to cut him is too much. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to see him again. Um I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it would cost them about five or six million dollars to cut him. And I don't think they're going to do that. Um, so. So one last know. thing, one last thing we're going to talk about. We talked, we touched base on it a little earlier. Uh, there are 24 finalists for the 12 spots dedicated to running backs in the NFL 100 all-time team. Four of those are bears and all four are deserving to be there and there's 32 teams in the nfl and then there's a ton of other teams that are no longer active they've they've long since folded so there's got to be more than 60 nfl teams and to have literally one out of every six running backs we probably won't see that at any other position we definitely won't see it at quarterback Excuse me, but Red Grange, Bronco Nagurski, Walter Payton, Gail Sears, all four deserving. There's so many of these other 24 that are on the list, and you can go to NFL.com and vote for your own 12 in that position. There's a lot of guys on that list that are going to get left off that definitely qualify to be amongst the, the elitist running backs in in the first 100 years of the NFL but unfortunately so many of them who are pre Super Bowl era are going to get left off this list so my hats off to everybody uh in the committee that has put this together just an amazing list of 24 finalists for the NFL all-time 100 lists with that Aaron another great one in the books Hopefully we can talk next week about a Bears victory, and uh, we'll be we we probably need to get this up before the Thanksgiving game uh, because uh, we'll have you know we'll only be about what, what we'll be 24 hours from game time by the time we finish recording next week next week's episode. So I want to thank our guest Lester Wilfrong from Windy City Gridiron. Uh, he is, as always, going to share some amazing insight about this team that he is also passionate about. Uh, my co-host and producer, Aaron Torricelli. I'm Mike Halitech, and thanks again for listening to the Halitech Hall Show. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.